You know, I, I think big picture, it's a culture change. You know, I think students, when I felt like when I, and, and it, you know, it could have very well been my perception at the time, but I, I, my perception back in the 90s was students had to look out for themselves. And now I feel like a student needs accommodation for disability. It's automatic. Long work week, right? It's Friday. More like Friday. Just relax, say, kick say, back, say, get ready to pod with your bro. Nothing I'd rather do. When you grow up, grow up. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Becoming a Doctor. The podcast. Where two fourth year medical students talk about the only thing we ever talk about. Medical school. Wow, wow, is very nice. I'm gonna do a sounder heavy podcast. I like it. (laughs) I'm your host, Santana Sanchez. And I'm your co-host, Kevin Gale. Uh, and you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, at becomingadoctorpod.com. What? And, get this, on Twitter, at becomingadocpod. Great success. Check Let's it. do it. Check us out. Check All us out. Uh, yeah, end of the long week. It's Friday. Friday record late at night. The sun is down. Dark. Sun's down. Super dark. Is there a saying about that? No, a long work week because, uh, I mean, you are doing a rotation. Yes, sir. Always rotating. I had two residency interviews, which are surprisingly... Flex. (laughs) Surprisingly kind of energy draining because you got to do the happy hour before. You got to do the happy hour. You got to do the full interview day. You got to put on your nice little suit. Yep. Do up your hair. Yep. Great suit pants. Put those on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pants are critical on these on, Zoom on interviews. Zoom. Uh, and then you were working. I mean, you had a couple interviews, right? One or two, three, maybe. I had one interview this week. And also are rotating every day. So going rotating. to work. Yeah, you you get it. Yeah. So um, long work week. Anyways, what's our first segment? Uh, first segment. Wait, should we count it down? Three, oh. two, oh, wow. one, go. <laughs> a little loud (laughs) okay go first segment this week our new recurring segment journal club journal club journal club open up the journal (laughs) i love that it's a thick tome all right what do we got this week let me tell you it's my turn i picked a journal we both read it yep now we're gonna dig into the data Dig into the facts. Teach you guys. Teach the listener something. Well, we don't. We didn't both read it. So teach me. Well, I was. That was part of. I was, was it, lying. Oh yeah, no, no. It's part of the facade. Yeah. Neither of us know how to read. Actually, <laughs> still working on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just have a bunch of drawings on my notes. Uh, uh, this week, I was inspired by a friend of the pod. One of the friends of the pod. I don't remember who. Okay, Daniel. 
Danny Murray. Was it? I have no idea. I don't know what okay, the, the article's about. The article this week, it comes from you, from a huge journal, huge impact factor on this one, Circulation. Ever heard of it? That's what the journal's called? Yeah. Does, does it actually have a large impact factor? Or? I don't know. I've, I mean, it's one that I've heard of. <laughs> okay, okay. Check. Yeah, let's do, check, look up that impact factor for me. Um, and it's from cardiovascular, it's a circulation subtitle, cardiovascular quality and outcomes. Okay. It's very complicated subtitle. Dog owner, title of the article, dog yeah. ownership and survival, a systematic review and meta analysis. Okay. What's the conclusion? Background. Oh, yeah, yeah. Read the whole thing. Keep dog ownership right. has been associated with decreased cardiovascular risk. Baloney. That's right out of the gate. They're coming in hot. Did you know that before reading this? No. I mean, I always suspected. Okay. The dog I would think knows. your cortisol levels would be skyrocketed. Higher cardiovascular risk. No, that's... Clearly, that's me being wrong. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Recent reports have, have suggested an association of dog companionship with lower blood pressure, improved lipid profile, and diminished sympathetic... Uh, sorry, I lost my place. Sympathetic response to stress. So the exact opposite of what you... Yeah, exactly. Says. For real? Yep. This is shocking to so me. So they did... This is basically a lit review. They looked at studies published over a huge period, 1950 to 2019. Okay. 70 don't, years don't of studies. Don't leave out a year. What? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Don't leave a stone unturned. It's, <laughs> it's circulation, dude. They're not messing around. So they... Uh, Mm. And basically, they looked at observational studies that avail that compared dog ownership with all-cause mortality and or cardiovascular mortality. So that's comparing people who have dogs versus people who don't have dogs and whether they live longer. Right. All-cause um, mortality. Yeah. And they found, they included 10 studies somehow over the 70 years, there's only 10, that included data from three over <laughs> 3.8 million participants so yeah circulation not not messing around here <laughs> only 3.8 million and here is what they found dog ownership was associated with a 24 percent risk reduction for all cause mortality as compared to non-ownership dog ownership dog ownership is this is this controlling for all other things uh, probably not. Keep going. A couple puppies in the studio. It sounds like. Um, there was a sentence here on limit. Oh my god! Keep going. This is not pleasant. <laughs> this is like dog ASMR. Uh, turn it off. <laughs> Kevin doesn't understand dogs. <laughs> Keep going. What else did not, they find? Not to throw you under the bus. Uh, so that was it. Bah, 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 bah. Notably, in individuals with prior coronary events, living in a home with a dog was associated with an even more pronounced risk reduction for all-cause mortality. Unbelievable. Uh, looks like it was 35. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're not talking about cats, <laughs> Kevin. Get off of YouTube. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, moreover, when the analysis was restricted to studies evaluating cardiovascular mo mortality, 
our listenership is plummeting <laughs> by the seconds. I'll stop. Control yourself, man. Uh, whatever. This, this segment is ruined. Okay, conclusions. Dog ownership is associated with lower risk of death over the long term, which is possibly driven by a reduction in cardiovascular mortality. There you have it. I mean, sincerely, that's shocking to me. I know, because you're, you are a backwards person. So dog owners, I mean, to put this in layman's terms, their fight or flight response is less, basically. Right? They're just like more calm, these dog owners. Well... That's a hypothesis. That's a hypothesis, Hypo- right? But but because they, we do know that they have less cardiovascular mortality, mortality, less mortality in general, right? They live longer. That's um, so correlation or causation, though. Yeah, good point. Good hmm. statistics one hundred and one. Uh, so does this mean you're going to start getting a dog or something? Or duh, if you weren't around, duh. <laughs> let's put it this way kevin if you were to (laughs) i don't know if something tragic were to happen uh not that i'm saying i want that no for sure as soon as i move out of this place yeah it's gonna be dog city up in my new home is it honestly yeah you and franny trying to get to the west coast west coast best coast do you honestly dog think you'll coast. get a bog, dog in the first like three months? Probably or? get a couple bogs. <laughs> uh, yeah, no doubt, without a doubt. Even doesn't that with starting Bork. residency, wouldn't you be worried about that? Bork, bork. Do you want some more dog sounds from YouTube? You know, in Spanish, dogs don't say bark; they say guau. Seriously? Yeah, isn't that weird? Guau, guau. That is kind of weird. Guau, guau, guau. Yeah, Spanish dogs don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they're confused. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, taking Franny, I mean, Francesca, friend of the pod, is going to take the, uh, Fresca, is going to take the lead on the dog raising. It probably won't even know who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably, right? I'll probably get attacked on a nightly basis when I come home. (laughs) It'll think I'm an intruder. You know, in between your 80-hour work weeks. Yeah, just get mauled <laughs> here and there. Uh, but yeah, for sure. I love dogs. I. What about, do do we look up, well, this is homework for me for next pod. Yeah. Let's see. I want to hear what the mortality of people, like, not dog owners, children owners, as in parents. Hey, that's a good idea. I wonder if that's, like... Even higher? Or worse, right? Because children are super stressful. Yeah, that's a good point. Because um, I've had some partners who think, skip the dogs, go straight to the kids, right? Skip Don't waste your time with the dogs. Um, That's an interesting philosophy. It's a, it's, and I've also had other people that I know in their life where their grandpa was a dog owner. <laughs> <laughs> their dad was a dog owner they were a dog owner it's hard to get away it's tough it's a tough cycle to break but you just gotta try oh, no. did, uh, did, you, did you grow up with dogs uh yeah we had a dog a little puppy his name was puck okay oh my god he was so cute and you did you do the most of the taking care of no we split it so we had a ton of people in our house okay 
You know, I have two younger brothers. I got a mom. Right. I got a stepdad. Yep. We're all pitching in. So everyone was doing a little something for yeah. the dog. Yeah. Um, so I guess your mortality. Yeah. Already looking good. Looking real good. The Twix, those are bringing the mortality down. <laughs> you can live forever. <laughs> okay, well, that's a journal club this week. That was awesome, dude. I'm uh, glad I could teach you a thing or close two. Close the journal, journal club. <laughs> Closed. Okay, on to um, our next segment. What's up next? Uh... Let's um, reach out to our guests, see if they want to come on early. Guest o'clock. Right? Um, in the meantime, why don't you introduce our guests? Oh, we got a very special guest for our listeners this week. A real MD, right? Yeah, we're becoming a doctor. <laughs> yeah. We don't have enough actual doctors on this podcast. We don't. So this week we thought we would, it's the 30th episode. We forgot to mention that. Wow. We were supposed to make a big deal about it. Let's do it right now. It's the 30th episode. Dirty 30. That's what people say, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. 30th episode. Yes. So. Yes. Yay! Yeah! So, um... Of course. <laughs> oh. 30th episode! Woo! Did you think you would see the day when we made it to our 30th episode? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I love this story. Danny was like, why are you guys doing a podcast? And It's a good question. And I... I'm like, well, I we I we submitted one for a homework assignment. Yep. And then Santana basically said, I want to keep doing this. And yep. I told him, no, I don't know, a half dozen times. That's He's not like, true. I had so much fun, dude. Let's keep doing it. And so he twisted my arm, and eventually I bought $300 worth of podcast <laughs> equipment. Is this a fake story? No, that's a real thing. That's how it worked. I was like, no way do I want to do a podcast. And you're like, no, it'll be fun. It'll be good. Really? Yeah, that's for real what happened. That's not how I remember it. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad Wait, that... How do, you, how do you remember it? Uh, I thought you were excited. I thought we were equally excited about it. Nice! Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> You're a liar, Santana. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I'll I, take the credit. I sure. mean, I definitely am equally excited about it at this point. I mean, you're the one that invested hundreds of dollars into this podcast. Hundreds of hours of time looking for sounders <laughs> across the internet. Yeah, we, we got Dog some sounds, cat sounds, horses sounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> 100th episode. 30th episode. 30th episode. <laughs> let's hold our... Let's relax. Um, should we do a different segment while we're waiting for our actual doctor guest? Sure. Or what do we got? We can do Kevin's corner. Why we not? We can always fast forward to Kevin's corner. Is the guest uh, in the green room yet? Guest is, uh, yeah, for sure. Oh, well, then we can go to the guest. Touching up. No, guest is not in the green room. Oh, no. okay. No, okay. Okay. No. Okay. Um, we'll go to Kevin's corner. Sure. You know what that means. It's everybody's favorite segment. Kevin's corner. I love Kevin's Corner. I was thinking about Kevin's Corner this week. Good. Remember, you are going to rotations mm-hmm. and interview here or there. Rotating. I am doing nothing. Chilling. But I am like teaching myself a little bit here and there. 
because I want to just have like a little base when I start residency. Of course. So I'm going through these online med ed. Prior guest, remember him, Dustin Williams. Dust, Dr. Dustin Williams. And his, his content, he put out a ton of lectures just for interns. First year internal medicine residents. And I'm going through this. Yep, that's going to be us. And I am. I just wanted to say how thankful I am that we get to be doctors at some point. The human body is fascinating, and the way to treat it is fascinating. And yep, there's probably not that many jobs where you're continually challenged, continually learning. Um, and so I'm just kind, you know, I actually I talked to a lawyer yet last night. What? And the lawyer was like, by the time I was a, a, a JD, it was just busy work. I was just like, you know, prepping for this or prepping for that. It wasn't any like that much critical thinking, really. Sure. A lot of paperwork, a lot of busy work. Sure. And I guarantee the next three years is going to be, I mean, a little, some busy work, but it's going to be a ton of critical thinking the next three years for us. Yeah, no doubt. So I was getting amped about um, preparing amped. for residency. Nice. Um, mostly because of Dustin Williams. Just, he's just one of the best. Also, a little of uh, Doctor Nursey Nakakatar teaching me EKGs on a daily basis. Shout out! Shout out! Nursey to future guests. Yep, Doctor Nursey Nakakatar, future friend of the pod. That's a little teaser, um, a little Easter egg for our listeners. But that's that was it. That's all I was. I was just thinking about my time this week. That's Kevin's corner. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, you know. We made this podcast basically to complain, right? And that was why I, don't I was think so. That's why I was so excited I don't about think it. We did love to complain, <laughs> love it. No, we made this podcast because it makes us both laugh. Yeah, talking about med school. That's true. That's, that's true, mostly that's true. the reason. Uh, but it is nice. I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, in how many months? Six. Six. We're both going to be a well. Knock on wood. Most likely one out of the two of us, at the least, <laughs> is going to be an MD. But seriously, it's like such a cool, like amazing opportunity yep. that we both have. An amazing opportunity. And an amazing opportunity that we're going to have going forward. Like you're saying, what other job do you get to have this, like... That there, there's this emphasis on continued education. Continued education, right. Critical thinking. Critical thinking. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, you know, doing something very, very positive. Right. Um, you know, it's it's great. And I'm you, glad you brought this up. You got to make money in the world. Like, you got to have a job. Unless, in this economy? Unless, unless you have old money in the family. Right. We do live under capitalism. Yes, so we have to make a living. We must produce. And this is going to be sweet. I'm yeah. just getting amped about it. It's a, Yeah. That's it. That's Kevin's Corner. I love it. Being grateful. Yeah. Being excited. Looking forward. Yeah. yeah. And keep that keep that energy going into residency, right? Keep that energy. Day one, we both want to be positive and refreshed mm -hmm. and also feel like we have like a little baseline like a little base coming in yeah i think we do i'd say at <laughs> least one out of two of us no <laughs> will be mds mm -hmm. yeah one out of the two of us has a good base <laughs> at least uh uh yeah 
Absolutely. I feel like I think we have good base. Yeah, yeah, we'll be, we'll be fine. <laughs> uh, it's honestly shocking just thinking back to one year ago, or even when we started this podcast, episode one. Yeah, I feel like I didn't know anything about anything, right? Other than how to wake up surgery patients in the middle <laughs> of their sleep. It was. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't your rotation at Washington like when you really probably started feeling like you knew a lot of stuff or you were learning a lot of stuff? Um, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It was around that time. I think it was more ICU. It was okay. like the the rotations where we had, where we were kind of, or at least I was made to be more responsible, basically. Right. Because before that, it's like, oh, you're just a medical student. Let's. Just chill. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. 30 episodes later, we feel like we have one out of the two of us. Has a good <laughs> At base. least one out of the two of you an MD. And then, like, when we're looking through this residency stuff, I'm getting more excited. Right? There's, like, clinical teaching cr- tract. There's hospitalist tract. Yeah. Like, there's different types of um, uh, things you can focus on during your residency. Yeah. Global health. That's got to be exciting for people too, right? If, for if sure. global health is a passion, you're going into residency and you can like have dedicated time to commit to global health. Yeah. All the more reasons to get excited. Right. I mean, you if you, depending on where you end up going, hopefully to a certain institution, you'll have plenty of elective time. You can work on your geriatrics and palliative care. Heck yeah. You Heck know? yeah. That's not something that's, I mean, really possible to hone in on as a medical student. Right. I, I, I can always practice. You can always practice your palliative and hospice care. You say, um, how are you doing today? Uh, do, you need any, do you need any symptom management, any support? Let's get this mother crook! <laughs> That's what you say? Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, really? And why are you people here? <laughs> <laughs> Some old schools. Uh... uh all right, well, <laughs> that's Kevin's Corner. Kevin's me, Corner. Let me hit the sounder. You got the sounder ready? Yeah, we are so prepared this week. <laughs> the quality of this pod has never dipped over 30, 30 episodes. episodes. Uh, okay. We our, run a tight ship. Our guest. Okay, let's get him, on the, get him on the line. Do you want me to introduce him? You know what? It's... Time to go mobile. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, give him the intro. We got a system of deans, leadership in the medical school, right? Sure. At the top, you think about Dean Tolar. He's the dean of the entire med school. He's like Dumbledore. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You do Harry Potter uh, analogies. Okay. Uh, so he is in charge of the residencies, the undergrad med school. He's the big boss. Big boss. Then you got you to gotta lower down. You got a dean of just the med school. Right. Dr. Robert Englander. Uh, Who would that be? Snape? Yeah, it's a pretty good analogy. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Dr. Robert Englander is a death eater, but I'm not sure I didn't ask him. You never know. <laughs> um, but there's a ton of deans, tons of leadership. One of the deans, um, <clears throat> dean of student affairs, is Dr. Michael Kim. Yes, and that's our guest for this week. That's our guest. He's an MD, longtime MD. Med Peds. A pro. So let's call him up. Right? Uh, let's get him on the phone. Med Peds? I don't think he's Med Peds. He's just he? Med? I don't know. Oh, 
edit this out. Edit this out. We'll edit have, point. We'll have to ask him about it. Yikes. Um, thankfully, he has an iPhone, so we can, you know. I have to go mobile. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Over. Over. Hello? Hey, how's it going? Hi. Dr. Michael Kim. What's up? Do you recognize Santana's voice over there? Hello. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the pod. Okay, great. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. As I, I know you were excited today, but at, at 7.31 p.m. on a Friday, are you having any regrets <laughs> about coming onto this podcast? Never, never. <laughs> no way. Just a wonderful opportunity. So I was just explaining to Santana the leadership structure. Dean Tolar at the top, yep. Dr. Englander, undergraduate medical education, and then you're the Dean of Student Affairs, right? That's your official title. Yeah, Assistant Dean for Student Affairs. Yes. As I always like to say, just a little mini dean, really. Mini dean. Yes. You mini dean. You don't want to be a fully fledged dean. You want to That's be right. a mini dean, no doubt. Uh, give there us might the... have been a time in my life that I thought being a dean of the medical school might be a good idea, but I have since retracted that thought. <laughs> good. I'm happy for you. Yeah, I'm happy for you too. That would be yeah, Zoom right. meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, right? That's all it would ever be. Oh, yeah. You know, nonstop. half his time is politics. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Dealing with the state legislator and dealing with the regents. You oh my know, gosh. It's like, yeah. Yeah, you actually probably get a lot of, well, a lot of student student time compared to Dean Tolar yeah. or oh, Dr. For sure. Dr. Robert Englander. Yeah. Um, sure. Anyways, give us the intro. Who's Dr. Michael Kim? Give us the background. Yeah. Do you want the, is, do you want the short answer or the long answer or the medium answer? Uh, what, uh, medium. Medium to long. Medium. Medium. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I would say I have a, I have a long history of teaching in my family. Um, my, both my parents were professors, Okay. my father in math and my mother in Spanish originally. Like college uh, at undergrads or, or college? They taught, they taught, yeah, in college. Yeah. So oh they gosh. both taught, they were both university professors. Yeah. And then my mother later decided to go to law school and became a lawyer. Whoa. Um, and Power then, couple. like, my closest, uh, most of my siblings have some teaching. My oldest brother is a high school teacher in San Francisco. My oldest sister is a professor in sociology at Loyola Marymount in California. Um, my my um, next brother is a um, paramedic teacher, actually. He teaches paramedic at paramedic school. He's a trained as a paramedic and then teaches that. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, teaching is in my blood, I would have to say. And uh, actually, originally, I thought I would, you know, I was sort of thinking more in the lines of the dean of curriculum position when this job for student affairs opened up. And so when, and when I was looking at the job description, um, academic progress, um, you know, assisting students through uh, – uh, challenges, you know, I had been, I had been on the cost committee for five years prior to that. And that's the committee. I had if, mentored if, medical students. What's the cost committee? That's if, if right. students get into any type of scholastic or interpersonal trouble or. Yeah. So cost stands for the committee on student scholastic standing. And it's our, what we call a progression committee. 
And as always, it's it's usually those who are, you know, it's the anti-progression, you know, really by more aptly the anti-progression. If students <laughs> have some, some issue where they're not progressing as, you know, you know, um, there's a bump in the road. Supposed to bump in right. the road. Bump in the road. Mostly bumps in the road. You know, we see a lot of students, and the majority do just fine and go on to residency. Um, but you know, fail a course or um, uh, fail a, a step exam or get a DWI. You know, or um, uh, have severe mental health breakdowns. Breakdowns not the right word. They you know um, overwhelmed. Yeah, with sure. something and need to take a break. Um, those are all things I facilitate, and they have to go through that cost committee as an independent faculty committee, um, so that you know that takes away you know so that we're not you know in the sort of conflict of interest where we're supposed to both support student and then also you know uh, regulating the student body. That's that this committee, and so I was on that committee, and then now I'm the liaison to that committee, so I'm in a, in a different position. Um, and, you know, I, I have always, I, I shared this with students, you know, each year that I had depression when I was a medical student, mm. went to our, to our, uh, university mental health clinic. And I felt the help that I got doing that was, um, uh, you know, critical to my success. But I, ref you know, I was sort of, as I was thinking about this job description and reflecting back, you know, I felt like what supports did I feel like I had in medical school when I was in medical school a few years ago, um, back in the nineties, <laughs> um, you know, orientation was like one and a half days and I don't think the word mental health ever came up. Sure. And, you know, I don't ever recall it ever coming up. And then, you know, when they were like, it was time to get a faculty advisor, they gave us like a booklet of like 2000 names and said, pick someone from that, <laughs> that, you know, that's your, and that'll be your faculty advisor, you know? So, you know, it was just, we've come, a, we've come a long way. Right. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to be part of that. And, you know, when I, I looked at student affairs at the time I came in, there were literally three people in student affairs. It was Scott Davenport as the assistant director. It was Addie Irvine as our, events coordinator and match coordinator and we, we love a, Addie. Um, we oh, Addie's and the I, best. we the best. love oh, Addie. Yeah. <laughs> and who was the third person? And then the third person would have been the person in Nuka's position back then who, okay. you know, mm. who was a administrative coordinator. Yep. So those are the three people in student affairs and now we have twelve. In fact mm -hmm. we just added we just added a thirteenth position with our fellow uh, our new fellow in clinical psychology. And so we've come a long way in the last five oh. years. And I'm really, that's, I'm very proud of the fact that we've built up a much better student support and success program uh, in student affairs. Yeah, that's definitely something to be proud of. That's what, awesome. What is the one, what, like, what comes to mind is the thing you're most proud of in your tenure as Dean of Student Affairs? You know, I, I think big picture is a culture change. You know, I think students when i felt like when i and, and it you know it could have very well been my perception at the time but i, I my perception back in the 90s was students had to look out for themselves sure mm -hmm. and now i feel like you know a student needs accommodation for disability it's automatic mm. um 100%. you know 100 percent. yes a student is in distress um, over anxiety or depression, we have a path for that, that 
that, that leads to student success. Hmm. Um, we have academic advisors who are there to really facilitate and, you know, be a facilitator for the students in their journey. Um, and, and obviously, you know, all the resources of the Office of Learner Development and both helping with students, uh, academics and also with mental health has just been awesome. And now, you know, now our career development, you know, now our career development program. And so I think we've just created the sense of like, acknowledge that med school is tough. And, there, you know, I think there's reasons why it's tough. And, and some of those are good things because there's a lot to learn in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you're, we, there are 3,000 faculty and 1,000 students, or I mean, sorry, 1,000 residents that you all have to, to interact with. And that makes it messy, <laughs> very messy. Mm -hmm. But I think the culture is that students should be supported through the process. And, you know, we still have a lot to do. I, I'm definitely not saying we fixed it and we're done. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad that I feel like the culture has shifted that supporting students is the focus. I love that. I, I don't know how often you hear it, but I feel like there's a ton of support as a student, right? And, uh, including yeah. yourself yeah. as, as a, a mentor, but you know, if, if you're not available, I can go knock on the door of a bridge counselor, like a, 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 right. a trained psychologist and get mm -hmm. an appointment for 48 hours. I just emailed Addie Irvin, our academic advisor, and the next day I was meeting with her on Zoom to get advice on the fourth year. I mean, there's so much support. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Santana, you think so too? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what is your perspective? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I think that, that, that uh, that's one of the strengths of the university. I was recently meeting with like some pre-meds. They're like, what do you like about the U? Um, and that definitely is one of the strengths is that um, the people there and the kind of infrastructure that you guys have put in place really does feel supportive and like if i could envision a different medical school where if you did have a mental health crisis where you would feel isolated and like you could face repercussions if you like reached out about that and that's not the case at uh the u of m i feel like you guys have done a very good job of of um, making it clear that there are people there that are willing to come that are there to help us progress through, you know, this very challenging, um, phase of our, of our training. And we're doing it. We're progressing. We're, we're almost there. Santana. <laughs> right, one, right. one step at Despite a time. COVID. Yeah, exactly. Floyd's murder. And, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. our school is, is, um, you know, pushing, forward the the that kind of atmosphere change on a national level um yeah. like we we are on on the ahead of the curve on that hmm. curriculum wise we might be a little behind the curve but that's coming too that's we're coming catching to, up we're catching up, catching yeah. up. <laughs> i do want to say you know student participation in in the development of all this was critical right i mean when i first came in i have to say i was like okay we're going to build this well-being program and students said hey doing more yoga is not, it's not it. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's not going to solve our problems. And we said, okay, we'll go back to the drawing board and figure this out. So, um, you know, without that feedback from students and, you know, um, you know, advice and feedback and, and suggestions from students that we wouldn't, we wouldn't have what we have now. 
Love it. And actually, it's good because Santana hates yoga. I'm looking at him <laughs> so inflexible over there. <laughs> wow. Way to just call me out like that. Ban- the man can't right, touch I his toes. <laughs> um, that's a good intro. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to... You, uh, you you left this out, but you went to undergrad at, at, at the University of Minnesota. Boom. You went to medical school Boom. at the university. Yeah. You went to residency at the University of Minnesota. Yeah. Did you do med peds or just or just uh, med for? Yeah, I did med peds, med peds, and then I also did a chief year. So I did Sheesh. I did a five year residency Ooh. year. My transcript is like eight hundred credits. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like page after page. <laughs> um. Yeah. So you're a gopher, born and born yeah, and bred, through and through, through and through, hundred percent. Me too. Uh, Love the ghosts. Cool. Aren't you leaving for residency? <laughs> uh. Um. Uh, yeah, we can't. We can't share what we're thinking about going to residency. That's off pod, Doctor Cam. I'll text you where oh. Santana wants to end up. <laughs> it's a secret. There we go. There we go. <laughs> okay, so that's the intro, Doctor uh, Michael Kim. Mm-hmm. Second, um, I you kind of already explained what your role is, but I also wanted to ask you how often you rotate through the hospital as an internist. Yeah. yeah great. Thank you. And I. I do feel like having that clinical, ongoing clinical experience and, you know, sort of street cred um, <laughs> is important, <laughs> important as I'm telling people, you know, what, you know, what the implications of whatever situation they are to their clinical practice. And Dr. Kim, um, your, your hair is street cred oh, enough. Yes. You got hair down to your shoulders. You got street <laughs> cred right. for days now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I do think that's an asset. You know, um, I had long hair during residency, mm-hmm. and then I cut it like halfway through residency, and then had you know had short hair until COVID. Yep. Um, but you know, I think when I walk into a patient's room, um, uh, you know, especially one that might have a little anxiety about what their doctor's thinking and feeling about them, and I, you know, I sit down and, and chat with them for about 20, 30 minutes. I think the long hair actually helps in that relationship building because they're like, Oh, this is, you know, this is not a straight list, <laughs> um, sure. you know, authoritarian kind of look. Right. Um, yeah. It might not break down the walls like a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, and, and there's a lot of things obviously anyone can do to, to do that. It's not just having that, but it, it's, it's an opening uh, that, that does that. And so I've certainly appreciated um, that, but um, yeah, so I am, 20% clinical and I'm a hospitalist. I actually trained initially what well, MedPeds is a hospital based training. Mm-hmm. And then I was the first 50, uh, 50 MedPeds hospitalist here at the U um, when I started back in 2006. And Meaning then half your weeks were with adults and half your weeks with yep. children. Wow. Yep. Yep. So I did, oh I did every gosh. other week and every other week that I was on was over on the adult on the on the adult side and and the alternating week of work was on the feed side. That sounds and so went back and forth. It's very rigorous. Yeah, you sound like a boss right now. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of similarities between adult and peds hospitalist. Hmm. Um, you know, it's like collect your data, develop a differential diagnosis come up with a treatment plan. Never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, So, you know, the process is similar. Now, obviously, 
you know, if, if I have uh, an adult who's short of breath versus a six month old short of breath, I'm, I'm, the differential is actually different, but it's the same process of getting to that differential and then going from there. Pretty cool. And then, um, but now only yeah. adult medicine or? Yeah. So now I'm only adult with 20%. 20% is six weeks of hospitalist. Hmm. And so like doing three weeks on adult and three weeks on peas just did not make any sense. Yeah. And so I do all my six weeks now on adults. That's so cool. I so, neither of us have rotated with you. Have you rotated with Dr. Kim? No. That'd be so cool. I've, I've seen him from a distance. Uh, your hair makes you stand out <laughs> very clearly on the wards. Uh, Rotating through. That's right. Uh, yeah. I was just on with two students. It was it was a, I had a blast with them. Oh, cool. Nice. Third year, fourth yeah. years or third years, two third years. That yeah, must be so much know. fun. Yeah, it was a blast. The um blast. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, you just took a sabbatical uh, last, about a year ago from today, right? Wasn't it last fall? Yeah, it was a year ago, This yeah, fall of 2020, and uh, it was actually delayed because of COVID and LCME, but I took the, the, uh, the semester off, um, and I'm grateful to the university that has a, a program that allows faculty to take some time off like this, and I did uh, 50% of my time doing research. And um, love to touch on that later if we have a chance. Um, working on uh, uh, academic outcomes of students, medical students with disability. Oh, cool. Um, and then 25% of the time I was, I, w- I worked one day a week still doing student affairs stuff. Um, they wouldn't let me go completely. No, away. no. <laughs> we need you. The school yeah, needs right. you. <laughs> uh, yeah, especially with COVID going on and everything. Um, and then 25% of my time was dedicated to wellness. Oh, so, so smart. Yeah, which was amazing. And I, you know, I worked out pretty much every day for that, that semester, which has not happened in a long time before that. So Nice. Got yoked. <laughs> Got yoked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, and you also have uh, a couple kiddos, right? So that's part of the wellness yeah. Club, too, yeah. like connecting back with yeah, the family. Yeah. Yeah, and they were all home because of. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's right. School, yeah. So yeah, um, uh, I have a sixteen-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a four-year-old. Those are the ages now, um, and so it was great opportunity also to spend a lot more time with them. What are the seven-year-old and four-year-old going to be for Halloween? There we go. In two well, days. they, they, yeah, they, they are going to be the red and purple Among Us um, uh, characters. Classic. Yeah. I am not familiar with that. What does that mean? Oh, Among Us is a fairly popular, uh, you know, handheld, you know, like a iPhone game, or uh, oh, I think it's, okay. I think it's you, it's ubiquitous and others too. Mm-hmm. But where you're, there's like ten people on a spaceship, and two of them are saboteurs trying to kill off the other eight, and the eight who are not saboteurs need to try to figure out who the killers are. And the killers need to be stealthy in how they're killing, and um, they win if they kill everybody, and the the non saboteurs win if they figure out who the saboteurs are. Sounds like a good game. It's I, a great game. I'm kind yeah. of worried that they're you know they're killing. Are they also watching Squid Game, Doctor Kim? Like, what are you What are you doing with your kids? <laughs> yeah, <you're right>. You know. <laughs> Are, are you dressing up for Halloween too, as the as the dad? Do you yeah, we, I, I just took him to see the latest James Bond movie. No, um, <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, the youngest one is—I don't think has ever actually played. They've watched videos of the game. Oh, yep, yep. Um, the oldest has played a few times. 
or the seven year old, the the sixteen year old got him into it. She was the one that oh sure she's the one that was playing it, and they were watching her. And so then, so the seven year old has played, but mostly they've just watched videos of people playing it. It's just how it, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, are you dressing up as one of the characters as well on on Sunday? Um, I am not dressing up as one of the characters. I'm probably just going to go with an old standby, which um, is conductor train conductor or okay boogie nights dancer or something like that oh now that i would like to see i mean <laughs> uh santana and i are dressing up as teletubbies yep uh it's gonna, nice yes because you which I colors are you, you gonna be that's I, a great question i'm poe that's the red teletubby okay. as i'm sure you knew and which one am I? I don't even know. You're the name. Tinky Winky, I'm dude. Tinky Winky, the purple well, Teletubby. Of course, <laughs> the purple yeah. Teletubby. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I you probably awesome. got uh, figured this out, but we're roommates, so that's why we have we're dressing up together. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's yeah. So that's great. You had sabbatically a time to reconnect with the family. Mm-hmm. Work yeah, on the re- yeah, Do you want to tell us about really the good. research? I know about the research, but you can tell Santana. Yeah, I'd love to hear about the it. outcomes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'll just preface this by saying, uh, so about 10% of our students get accommodations, and it's mostly for what we call psychological disabilities, which are uh, anxiety and depression. And, and, you know, the thing that I always like to emphasize is that people often don't associate depression and anxiety as as being a disability, Mm -hmm. but it is classified as such by the CDC and therefore the American with Disabilities Act and you know, sort of our need to um, support and provide accommodations is, is enforced by law for those. And and so we are actually, we, we have, I believe, the most students with accommodations, raw numbers of any medical school in the country. Wow, that's cool. Um, yeah. And so um, as I was sort of pondering this one day, I'm like, I wonder, you know, just pondering, what are the outcomes? And I know, obviously, we know, you know, the the vast majority of those are successful because we have almost a hundred percent, you know, graduation rate. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, but I wonder what the outcomes were in comparison. And I had reached out to Barb Blacklock, who's our disability resource liaison to the DRC, and she said, I know this researcher Lisa Meeks. Uh, you should. She's, this is the kind of thing that she's interested in and should reach out. And I did. And, you know, so Lisa and I have been on, Dr. Meeks have been on this three year journey together. And I joined her research lab, which is a virtual research lab. She has uh, faculty and residents and students um, and pre med students from across the country working on um, these issues. So, but we, we um, with her influence and, and guidance, we uh, brought together 11 medical schools and combined the data of our Ooh. students who get accommodations. And we looked at students who had graduated medical school with accommodations. And between the 11 medical schools, we had something like 150 um, students. And then we matched each of those students to two students um, who had similar MCATs and as best as we could to to compare them with the same um uh like gender and uh reported uh ethnic racial identity and um and then we um so then we looked at uh step one score 
step two scores, time to graduation, match rates, and then whether they went into primary care or not were our main sort of academic outcomes. And then um, when we were looking at this, it, it was clear that there were two sort of clusters of, of, of intervention groups. Um, there was a group that we, in, in there's never really a great way to define when, you know, when you're trying to slice and dice these things, it, there's no great way, but this is, we use the way that had been previously reported in the literature. So there was one group of students that were sensory motor disabilities and chronic disease. Hmm. And then there was another group that was um, learning, learning disorders, um, ADHD, and then psych the psychological disabilities, like I mentioned, mostly depression and anxiety. Okay. So interestingly, the students that had sensory motor disabilities or a chronic disease had outcomes similar to the match controls in terms of no, no significant difference in MCAT no, or in um, step one, no significant difference in step two and similar match outcomes. The other group, however, the, the learning disability, ADHD, psychological disability group had significantly lower step one scores, step two scores. And although they had, they did have a lower match rate when we, when we factored in the step one, that disappeared. So it was all sort of any sort of match outcomes, which were lower, were actually more associated with the step one hmm. than anything else. And so that was, uh, you know, um, you know, the big finding and the, and, you know, sort of the next step of that was if they got accommodations for step one, mm -hmm. that almost completely erased the difference. Interesting. Um, we, we, we probably had too small, you know, once we broke it down into the subgroups, we had too small of the numbers because only 25% of those students actually got accommodations on step one. 25% hmm. so of the number. students who could have gotten accommodations on step one, you're saying? Yeah, well, I'll say, I'll say you know, to be precise, the 25% of the students who got accommodations for medical school in medical school did not get them for step one. Gotcha. So they had been granted through mm. their whatever process in their of the 11 schools. And we all have obviously slightly different right. processes, right? But all of them had, a, had accommodations and were successful in getting through medical school, but 75% of them did not have accommodations for step one. Mm. And if they didn't have accommodations, they had significantly lower scores. If they got accommodations, they trended to erasing that deficit. Oh my gosh, this is groundbreaking! Like that. Yeah. Did you yeah. publish this and then send it to the AMC? It's AMC-er? coming out. It's coming out next month. Oh yeah. my! Wow. God. It's gonna make yeah. waves, <laughs> right? I mean, don't you? Yeah. Do you hope that tons of more students are going to be getting accommodations now in these gigantic eight-hour so. tests? I mean, we've, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've. You know, there's been a lot. The uh, I won't get. Don't get me started on the NRMP. I mean, I mean, NBME, NBME, sorry. Oh, yeah. NBME. Um, yeah, we're we're an anti-NBME <laughs> podcast. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, let's just say thank, uh, good riddance, step two, CS, for, for one. Um, See ya. <laughs> yeah. Um, and certainly we feel like, first of all, the, the whole process, you know, we start our the students here, we recommend they start applying for their step one accommodations for uh, in October. So that's like, you know, nine, you know, almost nine months right. ahead of time, right. you know, that's so crazy. Um, and still, you know, we, um, we still get, you know, relatively high 
because um, they, you know, the bar, they set the bar so high that it just doesn't make any sense. And these, again, they're students who've gotten accommodations and successful in medical school, yet they feel like, you know, my sense is they feel like they feel like they're guarding the public trust by, hmm. by doing this. And certainly there are example, there are certainly examples of people who have used privilege, uh, for example, to get accommodations, you know, to maybe score a little bit higher. But, you know, that's that's such a small number, especially in medical school. That is just, you know, to me, it seems very short sighted to be able to hold the bar so high for something we know has zero clinical relevance. relevance yeah, that's just know, exactly down. right. Keep that in mind, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, I'm so excited for you. Yeah, so it's good. And then the other, the other cool thing was that the the students with disabilities had a much higher rate of going into primary care, mm. which I think will ultimately be a really good way to say, "Hey, we need to start recruiting more students with disabilities." Because sure. you know, for whatever reasons, I think you know, you you could argue that. Because of the step ones of those who are scoring lower in step one, they're not getting into ortho and neurosurge. But I, I think there's this sort of, I think there's also this culture of I want to really make a difference in the medical care of others with disability. And I think that's what's, that also is drawing uh, hmm. those with disabilities into the primary care field. So. So cool. What a great sabbatical. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. It was a and cool you're still doing it, right? Working you're... with 11 medical schools. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still doing that research and working with Dr. Meeks. Shout out to Dr. Meeks. Who Docs with Disabilities podcast. If you want a good, if you want a, a podcast that maybe not quite as good as this one, uh, <laughs> Docs with Disabilities podcast. Was a wonderful <laughs> we'll check it out. I got a road trip almost, coming. It's up. Almost as good as this one. Yeah, yeah, got, yeah. We'll yeah. check it out. I'll do a side by side comparison. See, see which one's better. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. Uh, okay, so that is uh, a great. What you're doing in, in as a dean right now? Now you know our final question, right? I gave you a heads up. I said, Dr. Michael Kim, every one of our guests. Everyone. You're the 30th episode, big 30th guest. High stakes. You, oh, do I win a prize? Uh, yeah, for sure. We'll, <laughs> we'll send it in the mail. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> uh, we need a, a, some, a controversial take, a hot take, something to get the blood going. Mm-hmm, something spicy. Other than that, the NBME yeah, yeah, is, is no good. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that one. That's a cold take. <laughs> you know, my... When I was thinking about this, my hot topic was, you know, the, the hot topic is we should think of students with disabilities in the same vein as an underrepresented, a group of underrepresented. Now, it's not exactly the same, right? Because uh, um, I don't want to, um, you know, I, th- I think it's important to to isolate out ethnic, racial and social economic uh, factors as being, you know, reasons to be considered underrepresented. But I think disability... Re- Really, and um, you know that there's evidence out there that um, practitioners with disabilities um, provide better care, and they they their colleagues um, provide better care too. And so my sort of my sort of agi- agitation, <laughs> if I'm going to be the agitator, yes. would be we need to be recruiting mm. recruiting students with disabilities. We need to be going out there. 
and doing pipeline programs and telling students we're going to students with disabilities we're going to support you through medical school and make sure you'll be successful and we should be out there doing that that's that that's my agitation moment um based on the you know the research that i'm doing i like it and so you're saying that there's um, there's evidence that physicians with disabilities make their entire practice provide yeah. a higher level well, of care so yeah of course of course we should right. if that's the case and i think i think there's similar data around yeah underrepresented physicians similarly you know being an example for their for their colleagues sure um so i don't i i, I don't think it's a completely isolated disability but you know the, the the evidence there's evidence out there supporting that and i guess i guess you're saying i mean we know that there are programs to um to get underrepresented uh minorities into residency uh persons under persons of color underrepresented min- sure. minorities yep. right now they're actively recruiting for residency programs or there are pipeline programs for medical schools mm-hmm. but you're saying currently right. those are s- non-existent or few far between for persons with disabilities yeah yeah in fact i just talked with a group of of um stanford has this disability mentoring program that it's a national program that they run and so i was talking with students and pre-med students at this conference a few days ago and they were like we still are being told like uh, these these applicants with disabilities are being told in the application process oh that's great that you're interested in do that i don't think you can ever make clinical practice out of this but you know you you can help in some way is mm-hmm. is is sometimes the attitude that they're that they're sensing and it's like no wow. <laughs> i can tell you they can be, be great doctors and they provide great care and we really should be recruiting them not steering them away from clinical care um or like saying, well, I don't know how you're going to pass step one. Um, you know, those should not be uh, the, yeah. Yeah. Um, we know they can be successful at, you know, students with disabilities. And again, I'm counting myself as that as a student who had depression when mm-hmm. I was in med school, I'm counting myself as a success story. Um, and we need to be recruiting them. I love it. That is something I've not, known about or heard about so that is definitely a good hot take yeah absolutely also who's going to argue with that right well who's <laughs> what what groups i guess yeah, it, right. <laughs> i guess the nbme is pushing back on that they're one group but yeah you know yeah, yeah. you're uh, on a national level a culture change on persons with a disability okay. or students with a disability yeah. yeah yeah i love it yeah okay is there anything else that you want before this is you turned our podcast was straight up trash before you came on and you brought the gold it, you turned it around for us it's so good now is there anything else you want to have a million listeners yeah yes. probably at least like like subscribe subscribe is there anything else you want to share before right, 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 right. uh before you get going on a friday night yeah i mean the you know i, I um one thing i've really been sort of reflecting on too and i can maybe do this as like a positive closing is i as i as i mentioned before developing the student support and success programs within our student affairs office um as the two of you know we have something that's called the pulse survey mm-hmm. and so all of our students take uh, a, you know a big survey in september 
where we look at all kinds of different things, but includes um, well-being, a burnout, burnout scale, a depression scale, empathy scale. And then we take all of our students and randomize them into 10 different groups. And then each one of those groups get one of the following 10 months. And so we have this month by month sort of slice of the medical schools uh, results on these surveys. And so that really, Claudio Violato, our uh, assistant dean for assessment and evaluation really got us move into this, which is awesome. So that we, it's not just like, okay, well, this is how everyone was in September. Let's see what they're like next, next September. We actually can see how things are going through the year. We implemented this the year before COVID. And so through, we had a little bit of a baseline just before COVID and then through COVID pandemic and, and George Floyd murder, George Floyd's murder, et cetera, um, the disruptions and everything. So the thing that I'm proud of with our students um, is that, and you obviously you two are included in this, empathy rose in every single class and across every single year. Wow. Empathy rose throughout this past year. And then, and well-being was not significantly worse and um our depression the only the only group that had a slightly higher depression was the new incoming first years had a slightly higher depression than the previous year but otherwise our depression levels were, were pretty static now there were still a lot of students that scored on that and they need support and help right but mm -hmm. the fact that it didn't go up and there are indications from other medical schools that the amount of distress and anxiety went up um, the fact that our students' resilience, the resilience of our students was amazing. And, you know, maybe, and I would think the programming that we have developed helped too, but um, especially the academic advisors, as they, as you all know, we're working with you month by month and rescheduling your clinical uh, as needed. Yeah, they really so helped us I mean, it was just, yeah, it was, yeah. And, so, and it's kind so of... It was good that we were able to get through this. It's counterintuitive. You you would like from an yeah. outsider's perspective, you'd assume, oh, that was such a stressful time. The George Floyd riots, George Floyd murder, the the pandemic, isolation. Yeah. You think that empathy would go down, depression goes up. It's it says a lot about the program and the and the, and the culture. Right. What a positive. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Go U of M. Go for for life. You and me, Doctor Kim. Go sign me up. <laughs> that's right. I can't wait. That's right. I'll side text you where I, we I, want to go I, for residency, I, I, though. I came in 85, <laughs> and I've never left. So 36 years here now in a row. So. Sheesh. <laughs> well, you don't look a day past 35 or 40 or 50. I don't know. Appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, thanks for coming on our podcast. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. Super yeah, interesting stuff. Thank me. Appreciate it. Um, have a good Halloween, and have a good weekend. You too. Take care. Okay, bye. Care. Talk to you later. Wow. Wow. We have to say, his hair, this is an audio medium. Yes. So nobody can see it. He's also not present. But it is immaculate these Down days. to the shoulders, uh, flowing locks, basically, is how flowing. I describe it. And it really, you know, every day I come home, Santana, I'm like, I want to grow up my hair, Santana. And you guys are like, don't do it, Kevin. Don't, Kevin. Because you look terrible, Doctor Michael Kim, amazing. Yeah, he pulls it off. There, I mean, there wasn't a there was a period when we started med school. He was clean cut, 
clean cut guy. Yes. And then like you were saying with COVID, he kind of let himself go. Yep. So there was a period in between clean cut Dr. Kim and current uh, flowing locks Dr. Kim where it wasn't. The transition is hard. It's a tough transition. (laughs) But it paid off. It paid off. And I'm so glad that he persevered. We also, I also got to say that was probably our best guess. Like for our 30th. That was amazing content. Absolutely. The, he is so articulate on those subjects. He also dropped uh, all of his research findings before they were even printed. Yes. Before they reached the presses. Hot takes right here. Shocking revelations. First take. I um, I was th- listening to him here, listening to him talk. I know. I was thinking he would be a great... A graduation speaker. Just get him up there. Talk get about the culture. Up. Yeah, like he's so proud of the culture. Yeah, and he's played an integral part. Uh, that was so cool. Absolutely. And one more reason to hate NBME. <laughs> what the heck, pile guys? Pile on. Get a grip, guys. Get a grip on yourself. Jeez, you have one job. The school's not our school, right? It's very by the books. They're not handing out accommodations to students no. right you have to go through a process yeah and qualify and and you think nbme would just be like yes we trust your school if they have accommodated no 75 percent of the students don't get them who are yeah there. what the heck unbelievable and it's uh whatever i mean whatever I'm, those guys suck <laughs> <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say mr nbme wherever you are Jeepers. uh that was awesome though that was great yeah, thanks dr kim invigorated me shout out to dr kim shout out um best I'm dean so yeah you heard it here first hot take hot <laughs> oh. take <laughs> All right, let's move on. Okay, Get- I'm parched. You need to crack open that bubbly. I got to grab a second because I'm already done with you my first. You ch- chugged it down? I'll be right back. All right, bye, Kevin. In a world without flavor comes a beverage packed with taste. Bubbly. I was walking to the kitchen. You're a radio voice. You should get paid. It's it's amazing. You can pay me if you want. You That'd can, be kind of nice. You can buy Dr. Kim's hair, your radio voice, and my overall looks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> pure it's, specimen. It's game over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> your pure looks. Oh, these are so good. Wow. It's been a while since I've had a bubbly. I know, the lime bubbly. At my current rotation, they get uh, LaCroix with their lunch. La okay. Croix. What La kind? La Croix. What kind? Uh, they, get a, they get a variety pack, but it's not... Just testing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not as no, good. No, it's not as good. Not at all. Not at all. Um, okay, so that was our guest. Shout out to Bubbly. Oh, shout out. Sh- shout out to Chuck Levin's Washington Music Center. The podcast always coming. Chuck Levins. Yep. I'll be honest. We don't have any mail this week. What? We didn't get any mail. Maybe the uh-huh. USPS shut down for Halloween or something like that. Yeah, they usually do that. <laughs> All week, right? They, they say do? neither rain nor shine <laughs> nor thunderstorms. But if it's a little spooky. spooky. <laughs> no, they don't want their mail people to get scared. <laughs> 
So we don't have any mail. I mean, that's kind of the whole podcast. Yeah. What are your final thoughts on on Dr. Kim's all his content? Um, let's see. I do agree with him um, that he should be proud of the work he's done in that role and the culture of our medical school. I think it's. Uh, I think it's actually very impressive for how big and like unwieldy of an organization it is, right. and how many students and how many faculty there are. Right. Um, that they have been able to like create this kind of like homey, uh, close knit vibe where I do feel like if I had a crisis, I, I would be supported. Right. Um, where people are able to get those accommodations that they need. Um, uh, I do agree with him that the NBME is trash. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> what is the point of Demi Lovato, these exams? Where you at? Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yep. Why? Why? What are you doing? Why? That's another thing, right? I'm looking for. We're done with that stuff. We're yeah, we're beyond. We got it. one more step three, but that's not going to be stressful for you and I as much. Right? No chance. <sighs> we're just in the good, the golden part of med school right now. Yeah. Exactly. And like you said, there's these big exams that have all this weight on Mm -hmm. folks' careers and they have absolutely no, they are, they're only, they're not. No clinical relevance. They're no clinical (laughs) relevance. They're not testing anything other than if you're good at the test. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I hate it. Let's end on a positive. You and me, and then we'll finish up the podcast. Why don't we turn the the interview around? Turn that frown upside down. And say your favorite memory from med school. Mm. And then I'll say mine. And then we'll finish the podcast out. All right, on let this me think. Spooky Halloween Eve. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> I want to suck your blood. <laughs> that a good. Yeah, that was Spot that on. was a great Count Dracula. <laughs> Do you have anything that pops in your mind? Um, I'm thinking. I mean, the thing that pops into my mind yeah. is... Med prom, sophomore year. <laughs> no, that was, that was a fun time. Not going to lie. Uh, no, the thing that pops into my mind, and it's only because it was recorded on video and I've watched it so many times, is <laughs> <laughs> when we were in uh, a small group, we were learning about something. Uh <laughs> Liver cirrhosis. Yes. <laughs> and run fear is varices. teaching us on the board. <laughs> and it's just like covered in diagrams and calculations <laughs> and scribbles. And uh, you just look so disheveled. <laughs> and you recorded the video. Yeah. The, the, the backstory of that is he starts going up there and, and starts doing diagram after diagram after diagram the whiteboard is becoming a hot mess it's filled to the brim i sneak out my iphone to record him secretly (laughs) keep going um i mean you had to be there you had to be there well the best part is then i spliced the video spliced it up uh, always sunny um made it kind of a meme a gr- it was a meme. Put it on our Facebook. Put it all over. <laughs> You're such a meme lord, dude. You make the best memes. Um, that's funny. That comes that comes to mind as one of the, your favorite moments. I, that's just because it's so comical. It or. was so hilarious. And 
Uh, yeah, and I love Ranveer. He's he's the best. Yeah, he's the best, right? Uh, and it really epitomizes the first two years of medical school. Just <laughs> frantically writing as much stuff on the chalkboard as you can, trying to remember how something works. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing which side of the body the liver is on. Who cl- who knows? Just draw it out quick. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I'll do a memory, and then you do one more. What something that's that that touches the heart. Something that's. That does touch the heart. No, that touches the funny Funny bone. bone. (laughs) Spooky. I thought we're only doing one memory here, dude. Well, if you want to share another one, I'm just saying. Leave the door open. I was just thinking about this this week. Um, One of my favorite memories from med school, after our last final first year, Right, you know, the first year of med school, you're taking all these tests, Mm -hmm. and the tests mattered. Right, you had to pass the final, otherwise you failed the class. Our first year, right, it changed our second year. Oh, sure, yeah, changed. But like those finals mattered so much. Isn't that right? Isn't that what they were? Yeah, I think they were double jeopardy. Still, yeah, exactly. You had to get above a seventy percent. That's something I'm proud of. I presented on that bad boy to the the exact. You got rid of that. Helped it, me and, uh, you know, a bajillion other people. But after one of these, the the last high-risk final, Tom and I went out to breakfast at the original Pancake House, and we ate like kings and celebrated. (laughs) Everyone else was, like, still taking their tests. Uh, A lot of other people were, like, going to Sally's to get some brewskis. Um, Not my scene, per se. So we went to the original Pancake House. And then... We went to the Guitar Center right next door, and I saw Tom play drums for the first time. Really? And he knew every gosh darn lick in the book. (laughs) Any classic rock song I threw at him, he knew exactly how to drum it. And so it's 10.30 in the morning. They just opened, and I'm blasting the keyboard and singing, and he's at the, (laughs) the drums. And it was like, it wasn't just like the breakfast or the drums, but it was like this huge release of stress and tension after these finals. Yeah. Right. I just like remember being so happy in that moment after being super nervous about tests and finals and stuff like that. It's one of my favorite memories. Love it. From med school. I love it. That also makes me think of when we went to the twins game as a, as a class. Oh yeah. That was so fun. That was also the kind of thing where like all the finals were done. Yeah. We all just kind of released together. Uh. <laughs> that was around the same time, right? Poor choice of words. We all uh, enjoy. We all celebrated together. Yeah, at the Twins game. Go Twins! That was the kind of the same thing. That also made me think of that. that was also a great memory. Like that was great so fun. Weather people were in a great. That was memory. your idea too, right? Yes. Dang! Best class president <laughs> ever. Wow. Uh, you know, here and there. <laughs> that was a, that was a blast. Um, those, those are the moments though, right? Like you work so hard, we all go through something very stressful and then you can celebrate together. Yeah. Some would say release together, but most people would say celebrate together. Yeah. I've (laughs) I've heard it both ways. (laughs) Any more memories before we wrap up the podcast? Favorite memories from med school? Favorite memories. Um, I remember at, uh, here's a good one. At med prom 2K... 918 <laughs> It was at the Union Depot in St. Paul. Yes. Terrible venue. Watch out. Hot take. Terrible. I mean, great venue for like 
a wedding. A wedding. Uh, yeah, exactly. Not for this event. Yes. Enormous room for like <laughs> 50 people. Yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my good friend uh david perez was there good friend we go way back friend of the pod friend of the pod you know it and he's like dancing or something i got there a little bit late and i like go up to him uh i'm like hey what's up dude he's like he he gives me the finger guns (laughs) yeah yep double finger guns he's like lorenzo (laughs) what's up It was so hysterical. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is pretty. It must have been just super dark in there. Oh you know? yeah, definitely. <laughs> Low lighting, you know. You know, you. I mean, he you didn't have his glasses on. Mostly, mostly like twins. You and Lorenzo, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, dang! That is a great memory. Do you ever tell him that story? Yeah, all the time. Good, good. He was really embarrassed about it for like a year. Yeah. But now he's over. It. Yeah, yeah, but now it's just funny. <laughs> Gosh darn, that's funny. I, I assume there was maybe a little alcohol involved too, right? Low lighting, no glasses, Low. few beers deep. Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to say? Oh, it's so hilarious. I've never heard that story. I love that story. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, yeah, that's it. That's a top memory. That's great, dude. Thanks for sharing. Like we say every week. A bird in the... <laughs> sorry, oh, are we done? Sorry, I forgot sorry. what we were saying. Dude, the podcast is over. Great podcast. Let's wrap it up. One more time. <laughs> like we say every week, a bird, bird in, in the hand, hand is worth two in the bush. bush. Yeah, see ya.